You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Alien up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Socks in the Basement. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans. And it's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. You can visit them anytime at FamilyDry.com. You can see all the things they do. They're going to take care of anything going on in your basement. You got water coming in. You got a sump pump issue. You got window wells in need repair or covering. You got bowing walls. But also, they're going to deal with the outside of your home. You see that concrete moving around? That's a water issue. You see water that is not flowing away from your house? They'll figure that out. They've got all kinds of different systems they can put into place. Check out everything they can do for you, FamilyDry.com. Tom. All right, my friend, I I want to make a quick comment on that Cleveland Indians series. I went on Tuesday night to the game. I may have audio here in the show from the game. I went over to Cork and Carry at the park beforehand. But this past weekend, something really got me going, and that was the amount of times that Jose Abreu was plunked by the Cleveland Indians and the fact that the White Sox have not hit anybody back yet. And I don't want to be a meatball, and I understand the idea of if you get into a beanball war, somebody could get injured. But this is the same manager that thought it was okay for Yerman Mercedes to be hit after that. And we've talked about it so many times. And all the the narratives that he ruined Yerman, that's all BS. And if Yerman missed a sign, his, his manager had a right to be mad at him. But he did mention that he had no problem with the Twins hitting his player. What has to happen to a White Sox player for the White Sox to hit the opposing team for Jose Ramirez to take one in the ear because he's their best player. Let's hit him. When does that happen? I mean, I get the cautiousness. I I understand the nerves over. Well, what if we get into a beanball war and one of our guys gets hurt before the playoffs? I get it, but you got to do something to get these guys to stop hitting your player because they don't want to pitch to him. Well, it's a little like saying that, you know, this kindergartner just bit me in the leg while I'm at the park watching, you know, the big kids play baseball, and now i got to go over and punch his dad. You know, that's the equivalent of hitting Jose Ramirez at this point when the Cleveland Indians pitching staff is hitting Jose Abreu. I'm not saying it's excused, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't do something, but honestly, I, I, I think there's a huge difference in, probably in Tony's mind, in the in the player's mind, when you're dealing with a team like, say, the Indians, and it's Shane Bieber and Zach Plezak and Aaron Savali, and you know they're they're actual pitchers hitting him, or if it was the Twins when the Twins were competitive last year, if this is a team that you're actually worried about, I think you retaliate. I think when you have a situation like this with the Indians, where they are headed down, where their pitchers are basically notorious for being at this point guys that can throw but not pitch, that you, you kind of look at it and maybe just go, you know what, it's not worth even getting back at them for this when, you know, instead we can just, uh, I don't know, walk you off and throw the bat 55 feet in the air. I like your analogy, except if I had a kid on the playground walking up to me as an adult and biting me in the leg and he did it repeatedly, and I kept telling the dad, will you control your kid? About the sixth time he bit me in the leg, 
I might punch dad in the face because he's not doing anything about it. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm a crazy person with a microphone. I did enjoy the Goodwin bat flip, though. Yeah. He threw that thing up to the second level, at least, depending on what angle you saw of the flip to walk it off on Sunday and take that series. But I also enjoyed the emotion shown towards the Indians bench. And you had to search for it. But there was an angle on Twitter of him going down the first baseline watching that ball go before he flips the bat. And when he flips the bat, the four-letter F word comes clearly out of his mouth, looking towards the Indians bench, and the second word that came after it was not, yeah. I think it was more like you, and I think it was directed at the Indians because this team was hot about what had been happening all weekend long with Abreu constantly down on his butt. I mean, they hit him in the head, Ed. I mean, it, that, that's something where you could have a concussion. That could be something where he's out for months. That, that, could, that could injure him for the rest of his life. We're talking permanent injury if it hits him in the wrong spot. So I, I think this team was mad. They had a chip on their shoulder. And I think if Lance Lynn is on the mound, he wouldn't have needed an order from Larusa. Somebody would have gone down on their butt. Well, I, you know, there, there's, there's that too. Although I, I honestly, I saw the, the Karen check hitting Jose in the, in the head live. And that, that, of course, is now memorable for watching Tony LaRusso run out of the dugout. It was which brilliant. Will never not be funny. I love it. The Benny yeah. Hill music behind it is my favorite video. People put all kinds of music behind it. I think mentally that's what I had in my head. <laughs> but that was a situation, though, too, where, where you know, what I thought was interesting there was, first of all, I don't think Karen Check meant to, 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 I don't think he was headhunting in any way, shape, no, or form. No, he but, looked like, but the catcher's calling for high inside pitches. And his guy doesn't have any control. And I get that Jose Abreu has a, has a hole in his swing, high and inside. But if your guy doesn't have any control, you can't keep calling for it when he keeps getting hit. See, that's the problem. If you can't actually make that pitch, then stop doing it because you're putting it at the expense of his health. Well, and that's what Larusa. that's allegedly what, what Larusa said to the, the Indians catcher to Perez when they started their fight was, you know, if your guys can't control it, stop calling it. You know, and, and stop throwing at my guy. You know, I, I know it's not intentional. I know you're not trying to hit him, but you guys, your guys suck. You know, and that's the problem. But back to, you know, back to the idea of punching, punching dad when the kindergartner is biting you in the leg multiple times. Have you noticed that, that Tito is gone under mysterious circumstances from the, from the Indians for the rest of the season? Is it possible that Tony, you know, took care of that situation in another way that we're never going to hear about the dumbest thing I've you're ridiculous I want to go through something that I found here my my little chart that I keep all the the OPS splits I, I try to use this to measure you know whether or not guys should be in the lineup against left-handed pitching and right-handed pitching and over the years here on Sox in the basement it's it's been proven to be a, a good indicator of of what should be going on with lineup construction and right now I get it. Your team's got injuries. And you're in the dog days. Uh, LaRusso's got to make sure everybody gets a chance to play so they don't get cold. I, I understand what he's doing right now, but I just for fun sat down and worked out the best lineup against a left-handed pitcher and the best lineup against a right-handed pitcher right now and upon the return of the key players. So why don't we just skip to the, the return of key players? Although, Currently, right now, I put Zebby Zavala in there every day over Zach Collins, and I think he's going to lose his job because Zebby is more valuable at the plate and defensively. In fact, Collins, I think, is about a half-game negative war, and Zavala's just about at a half-game positive, and he's only been here for about a couple of weeks. 
So that, that's going to be interesting because I feel like Collins is their future. They kind of want him to be the guy years from now when Grandal is done. But Savala may be more valuable this year as the backup catcher. But before we get into that, let me give you just the quick rundown of these lineups, Ed, and then I want to hear your comment on it. Uh, against lefties, if you were just going off of OPS, uh, that's your, your slugging and your on-base percentage. That shows the amount of production you're doing at the plate. Against lefties, when everybody's back, Grandal would be your catcher, Abreu at first, Hernandez at second, Jake Lamb would be in at third base over Yoan Moncada, who's just average right now, and Lamb is crushing it against lefties. Tim Anderson would be the worst player in your lineup with a 685 OPS right now against lefties. Vaughn, Robert, and Angle would be in your outfield, all of them with OPS pluses over 900. I mean, all-star level out there in your outfield. And Jimenez would be DHing. He's in the 800s. In fact, everybody's in the 800s or 900s except for Anderson. That's your killer lineup. This is against lefties? Against lefties. And that's a little surprising that TA is that low against lefties. Uh, but no, nobody else in that. Well, Jake Lamb actually surprises me a little bit as a left-handed batter that he's doing well against lefties versus Moncada. That that kind of strikes me as as a bit of a surprise. Um and here's the difference between them. I mean, it's not a it's not a huge difference. You probably start Moncada there. Yeah. I'm just doing this as an exercise. I mean, Lamb's got an 817. Moncada's got a 734. Jake Lamb's also only had 12 plate appearances against lefties. It, it's not a huge drop off. There's a big difference between Anderson and Lamb. If you could teach him how to play shortstop, right now Timmy Anderson is going to be the biggest problem in the lineup against left-handed pitching, which you would have never have thought of because he's normally one of your best hitters against lefties in that lineup. And he's having a terrible year against left-handed pitching. Which means that there's also a chance that he he comes back around and it's it's sort of a moot point. But I don't know if I'd even bother to teach Lamb how to play short in that situation. Couldn't you just stick Andrew Vaughn there? Isn't he trying to line himself up as a utility player from now on? You can put on? him anywhere. Andrew Vaughn could be placed anywhere. He can catch. He can play outfield, short. He can play second. second. He can play outfield. Third, first. Right. He's, he's the backup to the backup manager. He, he does everything. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Versus right-handed pitching, and this is just an exercise. I'm not saying this is what they should do, but if I took the best players in terms of their production at the plate against righties so far this year. Statistically. Zebi Zavala has an OPS over 900. I want to say it's over nine. Yeah, over 900 right now against righties in his short little stint. If he were able to keep that up, he would be better than Yasmani Grandal. All right. I mean, like I said, just an exercise. Gavin Sheets 
has a 925 OPS against righties compared to a Bray who's 756. He'd be your first baseman. Hernandez would be at second. Moncada would be at third. Anderson would be at short. And then your outfield would have Goodwin, Robert, and Angle. And Robert would be the worst of the three. Brian Goodwin right now, his splits are insane. 937 all-star level OPS against righties. 318 against lefties. You wouldn't even put him oh. near the plate. And then Aloy Jimenez, just a just a touch shy. And I'm looking at his 2020 numbers and his career numbers to figure out him because he hasn't played enough yet this year to figure out what he would be. He's your DH as well. Now you could move all these guys around, but these are the guys who would be the top nine in your lineup. You would actually have Abreu and Vaughn and Grandal all the bench against righties. Now, I'm not saying you do that, but it shows you the embarrassment of riches when it comes to guys that hit against right-handed pitching. But if you take, Ed... This exercise, and you pick the best guys on your team to go out and hit, you would have two guys that would not be able to make this roster if you had a bench of four, which is what you generally have, right? You generally have a bench of four guys. Yeah. 13 players, 13 pitchers, nine are on the field. That means four players on the bench. And if you did that, there'd be no room for Billy Hamilton or Larry Garcia because neither one of them are good enough to make it into the best lineup against lefties and the best lineup against righties. It doesn't mean they're not valuable, but it, it, it's kind of funny when I did the exercise, I ran out of spots for those two guys, which means there's a roster crunch coming. It's actually here right now, and it's just going to get worse. Well, So I was texting with somebody who was going to the game on Sunday where there was a to-be-determined starter, and they were texting me Saturday night. They were looking at it and going, well, wait a minute, why is Kopech warming up? I thought he would start. God, we're not getting Ronaldo. And I said, no, you're going to get Jimmy Lambert and someone's going to have an injury. And sure enough, right before the game, Billy Hamilton's lat hurts. And now he's on the, you know, now he's on the IL for 10 days. And here comes Lambert. I think the roster crunch for right now, what's going to be interesting is going to be watching Rick Hahn use the injured list as a way to sort of rotate guys around and figure out who's going to stick. Because come playoff time, you're going to have to weigh Billy Hamilton as a defensive outfielder and a pinch runner, and a guy in the you know in the late innings who you want starting on second base or whatever. But you're going to have to weigh that against, say, Jake Lamb and his ability to hit and and be one of those guys, like you said, that from an OPS standpoint, statistically, should be in the lineup against certain pitchers. I don't know exactly what they're going to do come playoff time, but I would guess that there is a very distinct possibility that they're going to go with someone like Hamilton maybe even at the expense of somebody that you're not expecting. And that someone could be even, you know, not just a Larry Garcia, but it could be along the lines of, say, Adam Engel, who they might look at and go, we want Goodwin's lefty bat versus Engel, and and we're going to have more right-handed hitters that are available that he profiles similarly to. I'm totally against it. Look, Adam Engel's your best all-around hitter on your team right now. I know that that hurts oh, people who don't like Adam Engel. Yeah. He, he plays an excellent defense. He's got incredible speed. And his splits currently are 926 OPS against lefties and 927 OPS against righties. He's only 10 points behind what Goodwin is right now. He is a better overall player, better all-around player. His OPS plus right now, I am about to make you fall off your bar stool. 152. He's only had 70-some at-bats 
And he's already got almost a win and a half, win above replacement from ba- baseball reference. That's B-War. Sorry, I, I did actually fall off the stool there. Uh, listen, um, he's the, he is somebody you – he should be in the lineup all the time. I love Brian Goodwin and what he's able to do. But Adam Engel is a must-get-in-your-lineup, can't-be-left-off-your-roster player right now. And he's earned the right to be there to do that. You're making a terrible mistake if he is not included – in your plans, and he's not an intricate part of being out in the field and performing. I want to see Adam Engel out there playing. Even when Robert is back, there's got to be a space for Adam Engel right now. But that's that's where I'm I'm not sure, you know, I know what I would want to do in that situation, and my my thought is, is that Adam Engel, unless he needs a rest day, is your starting right fielder. Over Goodwin, over Vaughn, if, if you're playing Eloy and left, Good God, help us all! But if if Jimenez is in left and Roberts in center, then I, I I would put Engel in in that situation over Sheets over whoever because I think he's a starting major league outfielder. I think Goodwin's a platoon guy. I think Vaughn and Sheets are not platoon guys straight up. Sheets more so than Vaughn, but I definitely you know think that Engel deserves like you said to be in that spot. But what I'm saying is you could see where. If the White Sox are looking at matchups and they're looking strategically at the team coming up and and what they're going to see in the playoffs, I'm using Engel as an example, and I think it would be a mistake, but if they decided that they wanted that lefty bat, they're going to have to make a consideration for somebody that is not just the fringe guys, because we're out of fringe guys at this point. They're going to have to make a consideration for a guy that's really been you know an everyday player and an everyday contributor, and... Because you've got a couple of guys, a couple of fringe guys that are right on, you know, on the IL and right now are not going to be a part of the roster coming up for, for a little while here in Lamb and Hamilton, you're going to have to figure out, is it something where do we try and live without Gavin Sheets on a playoff roster where you do need the left-handed thunder? Do we try and live without Brian Goodwin and his lefty bat? in favor of Engel because Engel is going to be somebody that's a little bit more balanced and maybe that's what they do. So yeah, you know, the unfortunate part for a guy like Brian Goodwin is he can do absolutely everything right from here on out. And he's been a hero and he has been a terrific addition to this team considering he was picked up off the scrap heap and he might not even see a playoff game. No, here's the thing. Sheets, Goodwin, Lamb, Hamilton. I'll even throw Larry Garcia in there. Those, those five guys right there, uh, you get to keep three, you got to let go of two unless somebody's injured. And and that opens up a spot for them. If everybody's back and healthy, those five guys, three of them get to stay and two of them have to go. And that that's really what the roster crunch is. That's why we have this sudden injury to Hamilton. And I think we'll see another one as well. Somebody else is going to go down and be injured here very soon when Luis Robert comes back. The uninformed fan is going to be like, oh my God, we're getting hit with the injury bug again. No, these guys are just sore, and now all of a sudden it's good enough to go on the IL so you can hide them a little bit. Because when you get to September, your rosters expand again. And so you're just trying to get through this month without having to DFA anybody. And you might see them have to send down a Sheets for a couple of weeks just to bring him back up. They're going to play games until they're able to have a little bit more of an expanded roster, and then they're not going to have this problem anymore until they get to the postseason But if you get to the postseason, I think your choices are going to be, do I want to go with Garcia? Do I really need a Garcia to fill in all over the place when all my starters are here and he's a step down? So then at that point, do I need him? 
Same thing with Lamb. Do I like Hamilton's speed and his ability to hit against lefties more than Goodwin's ability to hit against righties? They're each platoon guys. Like, if you put them together, you can make a really good ball player against lefties and righties. But they, they each have a deficiency with one type of pitcher. And, and then you also have to sit there and look at a, a young guy like Sheets and say, hey, he's contributing. But when it's time to construct this, what does the manager want? I think Tony will be the guy that really makes all these decisions in the end because he's going to sit there and say, this is how I see the playoffs going down. This is what I need to prepare myself for in the postseason. And thus, this is what I want as my composition of my team. And until then, I think we're going to see a lot of gamesmanship with the IL. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, just expect guys up and down and Robert being delayed until they're exactly absolutely sure he's ready to come up and then get him up here and get him some at-bats. And they're babying Aloy Jimenez right now, but they're not going to put him back on the IL even though he's been sitting out for days. I mean, like this is the way that things are kind of going right now, but there is going to be a crunch at some point. At some point, some of these guys who have been helping you out an awful lot will not be on this team in the postseason. Well, and I think what's going to happen, too, with somebody like Larry Garcia is you are going to have Tony take a look at what would happen if Tim Anderson went down. Would we be able to live with Cesar Hernandez playing shortstop, with Andrew Vaughn playing second, or Lamb playing second, or, or Joan playing second while Lamb goes and, and moves over to third? And you don't need him as an outfielder anymore, so there's an opportunity. And I, I do think, too, that the Sebi Zavala versus Zach Collins situation will come into play there because if you're valuing Zavala's glove the way I think a lot of backup catchers get valued, right? If you're valuing his glove, his glove is better than Collins. That was always the case when they were coming up through the minors. The question with Zavala was, ever, was he ever, ever going to hit? He had one good year in 2017 with 20-plus homers over a course of a couple of different levels. Birmingham kind of sucked the power out of him. Birmingham does that to every Sox prospect, so it's nothing to be expected. But he hasn't done anything at AAA. If that Zavala from 2017-2018, where he was a pretty decent hitter and he was a good glove guy, is is real, and if he keeps doing it, that makes an interesting impact too because one of the things that I think Tony likes about Collins is the lefty bat. And and he's not been a very good hitter, but he gives him that you know, potential lefty power that you wouldn't necessarily need with a, with a Jake Lamb then if you've got Zach Collins that you can bring in in a pinch hitting situation or something like that. It's hard to use your backup catcher, but, you know, still. Every time you go down to a White Sox game, you have to start your journey at Cork and Carry at the park at the corner of 33rd and Princeton. Indoor-outdoor seating, an incredible ambiance. The windows open up, the fresh air blowing through, the craft beers on tap, the full liquor bar, the incredible food. Uh, I just enjoyed uh, the Latino, which is an incredible burger to have, especially with my no-carb diet. Uh, Bill Guide laughed at me. He's the owner of Cork and Carry. Uh, he was he was he wanted me to taste new beers that are walking into this place. You're always updating the beer list, right, Bill? Yeah, you got to keep it fresh and interesting for all you know the, the the beer aficionados, White Sox fans. Yeah. Not not just of course Goose Island, but everything else. A great summer. You got to be excited after years of watching this team not do very well. You, you got a you got a winner here, and it's right you're right in the shadow of a winner. It's going to be a, a fun next couple of months for you. Are you are you excited about it? At what point do you think that like 
Fox reaches out and asks if they can put a camera inside of the bar so they can watch people celebrate during the postseason. Right, right. Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's <laughs> come on, Chris. We're Sox fans. Let's not count the the chickens before they're hatched. All right, right all right, all right. Let's, Listen, I want to ask you though about the team. All right, what's your biggest moment? Your your player that came out of nowhere. What what is the thing that's happened this season that has you hoping for that postseason and that long run in it? The, the thing that I really like, I think, is the uh, it's the hungry veterans. It's like it's Lance Lynn coming in as the workhorse, and he's also, I think, setting the tone in the clubhouse. And the young guys, you know, it's a good mix of veterans and, and young guys, and the young guys are following suit. I think they're just, you know, they're paying attention to how he, he uh, approaches the game and how he does everything professional. And, for instance, you know, I think Andrew Vaughn is just taking a page out of his book, really. It's all right. I'm going to walk through your bar. you got a lot of happy customers here. They're all chowing down. They're enjoying the music. I'm going to ask them the same questions. We'll see how they do. And uh, remember, folks, 33rd and Princeton, get out here. They're open when the games are going on. They're open when the games are not going on. You can watch the road games from here. You can watch the home games from here. You can pre-party, post-party. Bill, this place is always awesome every time I get here. Thanks for having me over. Thanks for stopping in and always doing what you do. Keep up the great work, please. What's your name, man? Tim. All right, Tim. First off, the biggest thing that you have enjoyed the most about this season, if it's a player, a performance, a game, what has been like the thing so far that has made you just go, wow, and I'm excited? Well, I'd have to say it's probably the pitching this year. It's probably held up. So the hitting will come around, but the pitching is really kind of what's going to bring us into the uh, into this the playoff season so that's it's crucial cool man well uh thanks for hanging out and uh how often do you pre-party at cork and carry every time we come down how you doing good good what's your name my name is sam sam all right sam we're sitting here at cork and carry you got two buckets of beer sitting here you're, yeah. you're ready to go into the ballpark tonight what has been the big thing the one thing that has happened this season the performance the player what has stood out to you the most if you sat there and said wow makes you feel best about this team like what what has stuck out to you it's got to be the resiliency right it's they kind of have uh, uh an fu attitude like like goodwin said the other day they're just dogs when you think about dogs and you go to the next level they're the dogs dogs and it, it's just crazy because you know it almost feels you know a lot of people joke about uh Tony LaRusso voodoo magic, but it does feel like that because no matter the lineup they run out there, I mean, man, you got Goodwin hitting walk-offs, Sheets hitting walk-offs. It's just something different every night. The Abreu Grand Slam a couple weeks ago that sent the proverbial roof off the place. It's just, it just has that feel, and that's what's got me. That's what's got me hyped. You're gonna have to make a tough decision now. All right. All right. We're talking about the roster crunch this week, and I'm gonna give you a list of names of guys. Two of them you have to take off your playoff roster. This is assuming everybody's back and everybody's healthy. Division Series roster. All right, here we go. Out of Hamilton, Goodwin, Lamb, Sheets. We'll even throw in Larry Garcia and Adam Engel. Which two players do you leave off in the playoffs? I think you got to leave off Sheets for the sole fact that right now he can only hit, um, I don't know the split exactly, but he can only hit one, one arm. Really good against righties, like he's got an over 900 OPS, yeah. and he's like in a 300s or 200s against righties, or against lefties, it's brutal. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure those splits, and, and on top of that, in a short series, defense is going to come in key, and I think that some of those other guys can move around quick. So yeah, I'm going to take out, I, I'm going to take out Sheets. And then 
Right now, I'm just not. I mean, I think he's going to get another crack at it, but I'm just not enthralled with Lamb. I don't think his his numbers in Charlotte have been all that inspiring. He had a brief stint where you thought, okay, he's, you know, the, the at-bats look good. There's a little bit of power. But even before he went down, he's starting to look a little questionable. So I think those are the two guys I'm leaving off. <laughs> What's your name? My name is Alex. I'd like to answer your first question about what singular moment from this season has made you believe in this team more than anything or something to that effect. The last doubleheader that I was at was against the Kansas City Royals, and it was the game where Jose Abreu collided with the first baseman who was running right into him. It was completely unfathomable. But this is a guy who has completely put himself into this team this season, who fights to stay in the lineup every single day despite the injuries that he has, despite getting a 94-mile-per-hour fastball thrown right at his head he wants to stay in the lineup and I take that resiliency with me every single day in my life because we're dealing with a fucking crew of big dogs these are guys who just want to they just want to perform and we have the big granddaddy of this team who is providing the kind of hits the kind of at bats and the kind of stretching that we have at first base so everyone be like Jose Abreu and kids uh, you know watch the White Sox it's his 30th birthday. It's this guy's 30th birthday? 30th birthday today. And Michael Golden. And he's partying at Cork and Carry, getting ready to go in? Yep, going to the Sox game. Yeah, excellent. All right, so how many Sox games so far this year, birthday boy? <laughs> so that's the thing. I mean, it's my first one, so I'm, I guess I'm a fake fan, but he's been to like 12. All right, are you following the team? I do follow the team, yeah. All right, cool. So I'm going to ask you, what's your moment? Oh, no. What player? What thing happened this year that made you sit there and say this could be the year? Um, getting Kimbrel, you know what I mean? Getting, getting Kimbrel? Yeah, once we once the bullpen got a lot stronger, I think it's, this is the year we can do it. Happy birthday, by the way. Uh, thirty birthdays, thirty beers tonight. Yep. <laughs> right. That's why they made life here. But I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I, I feel like Zavala is going to beat out Collins. And, and then I also think that you're going to see a whittling down of these outfielders. But don't touch my Adam Angle, man. Adam Angle belongs out there. Adam Angle's crushing it. Adam Angle's kicking butt. Adam Angle is everything you could ever dream Adam Angle of being. He showed it. He showed it to you in the shortened season in 2020. All of a sudden being able to hit right-handed pitching. In 2020 with an 837 OPS, his career numbers were below 600 against righties. But now if you look at his 2020 numbers and now you look at what he's doing coming back at 2021 against righties with a 927, if he continues to do that and he's killing lefties as well, you, this guy, he, he should be starting in playoff games. I can see him starting in playoff games out there. I'd be upset if they weren't noticing what they've gotten, this guy. Okay, don't ever, don't ever smear the name of Adam Engel again at this bar talking about how he might not make a playoff roster. You'll be out. All right, I shall not take thy Adam Engel's name in vain. That's right. Don't do it again. Let it be said. Let it be written. And also... Now now punish yourself with this shot of Malort. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Not the Malort! That's what you get! No. That's what you get! Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com. And of course, after all of that, the last 30 minutes, T.A. rips apart left-handed pitching, three for four, three RBIs, and a bomb, and Adam Mango goes 0 for four. That tracks. What's your problem? Uh, <laughs> uh, can I have another beer, please?